0: We love jewelry, but what we love even more is jewelry that is sustainable and good for our planet. Coco & Eden is committed to making beautiful pieces that are not only stunning for you, but are environmentally friendly. We love that Coco & Eden is 100% carbon neutral, meaning the company produces oxygen equivalent to the amount of CO2 it produces. Another thing we love about Coco & Eden is that their jewelry is built to last. Every piece is anti-tarnish, waterproof, hypoallergenic, and comes with a two-year guarantee. Mel and I both have Coco and Eden jewelry, and we adore our pieces. Mel's necklace is stunning. I'm actually really jealous of it. And my bracelet and my ring, they're two of my favorite accessories. These pieces are beautifully made, fairly priced, and help our planet. What more could you want? Visit cocoandeden.com. That's C O C O A N D E D E N dot com and use the code TrueGirls20 at checkout for 20% off your order today. Do you love podcasts? Do you have an idea for a podcast you think the world should hear? Then head to Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is an easy way to produce, promote, and track the success of your podcast. We use Buzzsprout for True Girls and absolutely love it. Buzzsprout walked us step-by-step through the process of getting our podcast up and running and also helped us get listed on major directories like iTunes and Spotify. I'm honestly shocked at how smooth and user-friendly the process of getting this podcast up and running was. Follow the link in our show notes to let Buzzsprout know we sent you. You'll get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and you help support our show. Check out Buzzsprout today to make your amazing podcast idea a reality. Welcome to True Girls, the podcast where two girlfriends tell you the true stories of fascinating women, both past and present. Stay true. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of True Girls. Hi, girls. Hi, guys, if you're listening. We're so excited you guys are <laughs> back with us again. Mm-hmm. We're close to double digits on the number of episodes we put out, which is, like, yeah, really, really, really exciting. We're, I feel good about it. Yeah, I do, too. I'm, like, over the moon excited. <laughs> Me too. For lots of reasons.
1: Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> Kayla. Yes. You have some like big news I to do. tell the to tell the podcasty I world. Do.
0: When a husband and a wife love each other very much, <laughs> sometimes they make a baby. <gasps> what?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm
0: <laughs> pregnant. We're really excited. Mm-hmm. We don't know yet if it's a boy or a girl, but we should know by the next time we record. So on the next nice. episode, I should be able to tell you if it's a little baby boy or a baby girl. <laughs> We're I'm so, so excited. excited! I'm excited. I can't even believe it. Melinda's very opinionated on what she wants me to have, though. Like, she's very opinionated about yes. it.
1: Yes, I need a boy. I need to have someone that can go play baseball, and I can, like, go to their little peewee games and be like, yeah, go, little Canada. <laughs> Y'all, we were literally at breakfast. We were doing, like, a
0: couple's breakfast, which we do a lot um, on Sundays. We'll go get breakfast together, and... Melinda started crying over the idea of watching our hypothetical son play baseball. I did. She got so excited, she started crying in the middle of the restaurant because she I was did. like,
1: "Oh my god, I got so emotional. I would love for you guys to have a son. And I could just
0: watch him play baseball." I did. It was it was quite funny. <laughs> I think it's my gut right now is saying boy. Yeah, it was girl at first. I was like gun ho that it was a girl, and yeah. now. I have no idea, Yeah, but I'm leaning boy. I'll be interested. When do, you, when do you go for your... So it's blood work. Oh, okay. I already took the test. So the okay. lab has my my test, my blood or whatever. And mm-hmm. so they're supposed to call me within the next week mm-hmm. and let me know. To be like... I'm going to be like, do you want to know? And okay. I'm going to be like, please tell yes, me. Yes, please, for the love of God. the rest tell of the- me. <laughs> it's a, the whole world wants to know. The whole world We're all wants waiting to know. With bated breath as yes. to like whether or not... Whether or not it's a boy or a girl, so yeah, I don't know. I part of me is thinking boy though, because one of the like myths about it is mm-hmm. if you don't have terrible morning sickness, yeah, then it's a boy. Mm-hmm. And my morning sickness has not been Bad. crazy. Like I've been nauseous, of mm-hmm. course, but I've never like thrown up or anything like right. that. I threw up one time, but it's because I looked at raw chicken, and you're like, oh my and God. apparently, baby did not like that. <laughs> like, no, no, baby <laughs> is starting to get really opinionated. Yeah. On what they do and do not like. To last, like, see and smell. Yeah. Well, so last week, um, Melinda and her husband Benny came over for dinner, and Benny made us. Oh yeah. Red beans and rice, which was really good. It was these red beans in a shoe with, mm-hmm. um, not like an sh- like a s h o e shoe, but like that kind of thick yeah. shoe that you make mm-hmm. um, with green peppers
1: onion mm-hmm. and, uh-huh, celery, and celery mm-hmm. and
0: then this like Italian chicken sausage mm-hmm. and it was really delicious like it was really really good and brown rice and brown rice and it was pretty healthy but it was also very heavy like mm-hmm. like it's not a meal that you eat and you can go run a marathon like you kind of right. have to sit there and veg out yeah. and hibernate
1: after you eat and you it normally don't eat like literally it's not like a taco bowl it's never like you never eat that much you know yeah. what I mean like you eat yeah. like a, scoop, you know, baby, like a um, scoop baby was not
0: a fan <laughs> like I was up that night Really, like, really nauseous, and then oh, well, so I love Indian food. So mm-hmm. yesterday I DoorDashed some Indian food for lunch because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well let's see, like How if baby deal? can handle it. Husband was at work, so and he doesn't like Indian food, so I was like, this is the perfect moment for me mm-hmm. to get my my tikka masala, <laughs> and um, <laughs> baby was like, Bleh. baby was not a fan. Baby was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so I really am limited now. I feel like yeah. to rice and chicken and
1: dairy Mm -hmm. and some veggies but like i can't do anything heavy anymore so i remember my mom telling me when she was pregnant with me that first of all i gave her really bad morning sickness Mm -hmm. like she could eat like three things she could eat watermelon she could eat oatmeal and like something else and like that was it like she was like i i wrecked her right and And i was a girl to go to the
0: hospital Twice yes. For dehydration. <clears throat> do you know how I know that? <laughs> how do you know that? I talked to your mom this morning. <laughs> your mom and I That's had a funny. long conversation this morning. Yeah, yeah, About her morning sickness and how she felt. And yep. I knew, I was like, she's going to say oatmeal and she's going to say yep, watermelon. <laughs>
1: watermelon. I and knew. like something else, or something else that she was like, I was okay to eat. But it's really funny because um, like I was a girl, right? And she mm-hmm. had two boys before me, my brothers. And they, she was like, she didn't have any. Right. Like bad morning sickness. I mean, she might have felt nauseous, we just haven't really talked about it. But I mean so. it's definitely
0: one of those old wives' tales. Right. But because my mother with me had no morning sickness at all. Yeah. So it's really like a case by case basis, I think. And right. there's so many. Like if you if your feet are colder, it's a boy. If your feet that's are hotter, it's that's, a girl. That's so weird. If you sleep on your right side more, mm-hmm. it's a boy. If you sleep on your left side more <laughs> It's a girl. I want to know
1: how they, like, think of that. Like, how, like...
0: I don't know. It's just interesting to me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Melinda is having a drink right now. I, I want, <laughs> she's rubbing it in my face that I'm, I'm pregnant and I can't drink. Melinda's drinking an old-fashioned...
1: Yeah. It's because I... we I just got finished doing our final performance of First Date. And I technically get to drink in the show, like, in the opening, like, scene... I have, like, a shot and a cocktail. And we were like, let's just be authentic. And then in act two, um, I take, I get another drink. and But the, the server in the show is supposed to go and get me and bring me my drink, and he never brought me my second drink. So now I'm just drinking it because I didn't want to waste Crown Vanilla. I mean, who would? Certainly not me. No, so I'm going ham.
0: Yeah, I actually saw the <laughs> show today. It was really good. And during... Um, during intermission i went to the bar oh and i got myself a mocktail a pink lemonade because <laughs> my blood sugar felt low which yeah it does most of the time now so most, yeah. most of the time now i'm like exhausted yeah all the time but i can't wait to meet baby yeah we're really excited i can't wait to find out what it is i know <gasps> me too so nice. <clears throat> me too but i mean we're already starting to like have stuff sent to us people have started buying
1: us stuff it's crazy wow i know
0: I always no. like.
1: I'm in the store, and I'm always like, "What am I gonna get, Kayla, a tray for their baby? <laughs> like, oh, this Baby." I just haven't bought anything physically yet, but I do like. I like. I'm always like. W- I'm always looking, and I'm like, "Oh, that's great!" Oh, oh and especially once, <laughs> once you know the gender,
0: it's gonna be like. Oh yeah,
1: I can't wait! Oh my gosh, I'm so excited!
0: Yeah, I'm so excited. My friend came over last week, and I got to meet her little two month. Yeah, that's right. And I got so emotional because I was like, I just want my little one Mm -hmm. here like I just want to snuggle with my baby so I'm just so excited Uh, anyway we'll update you guys on how it's going yeah we'll let you know next week what the gender is when we find out yes so excited but now let's dive in yeah who are we talking about today oh my gosh I'm super excited for today's episode because it celebrates Black History Month and the Olympics perfect today we are talking about the fantastic Wilma Rudolph Mel, could you hit us with our three facts about Wilma, please? Yeah.
1: Number one, Muhammad Ali had a crush on her. I love that. That's so awesome. Um, Number two, Denzel Washington made his TV debut in a movie about Wilma. Mm -hmm. What movie is that? Wilma. It's It's just called Wilma. I'm pretty
0: sure. (laughs) Because it's based on her autobiography, so I'm pretty sure it's just called Wilma.
1: Wilma. Mm -hmm. I'll have to look into that. I have not seen that yet. Uh, and then number three, Wilma is a member of the US Olympic Hall of Fame. Uh, of course she is. So let's let's get started. All
0: right. Wilma Glodine Rudolph was born on June 23rd, 1940, in St. Bethlehem, Tennessee to Blanche and Ed Rudolph. Now get this. Wilma had 21 21- Siblings. What? How do you you even imagine?
1: How do you feel about that being? I mean, having twenty-one kids.
0: That's that's the size of my class when I taught elementary school. Yeah. So I can't even imagine all of them having come Come out out of me, (laughs) and I'm already so exhausted from this first baby. I can't imagine going through this. Oh my! Twenty-one times. Yeah. And she was number. She was number twenty-one. So she had one sibling born after her. Yeah. Now, Wilma was born prematurely, and she weighed only 4.5 pounds when she was born.
1: Mm.
0: Her family was very poor, which makes sense. I mean, there was 21 21 of them. Kids. Like, how do you even? Mm-hmm. And she spent most of her childhood sick. Mm. She had double pneumonia. She had polio, scarlet fever, and because of this, Wilma had to wear a brace on her leg until she was nine years old. Now, Mel, I'm going to have you read what Wilma said about
1: this leg brace. Okay. "Quote: My doctor told me I would never walk again." My mother told me I would. I believed my mother, unquote. Isn't
0: that great? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so at the age of six, Wilma began hopping around on one leg. Mm-hmm. By the age of eight, she had figured out how to walk with a brace. And when she was nine, the brace came off for good. And to me, this just speaks to Wilma's resilience and her perseverance because at a very young age, the odds were already stacked against her. And she spent her childhood proving to the doctors that they were wrong. And I don't even know what I would have done at age six. And I love that she shocked her doctors by going into their office one day (laughs) taking off her leg brace and walking around she said of this by the time I was 12 she told this to the Chicago Tribune Mm -hmm. I was challenging every boy in our neighborhood at running jumping everything
1: that's awesome I can't imagine being like the age of what what was she six at the time She she did
0: this yeah she was six when she figured out how to hop around yeah
1: like I can't imagine being that young and like thinking that way i Mm -hmm. like i can't imagine so that's awesome the resilience is just amazing yeah i mean obviously like she ends up becoming an olympic medalist so right here we
0: are (laughs) like anything is possible it doesn't matter where (laughs) you start right after the brace came off wilma became a natural athlete when she was 11 her mother found her in the backyard playing basketball and this is really when wilma dove headfirst into athletics She grew up in a segregated South and attended an all-black high school called Burt High School. Mm -hmm. While at Burt High, Wilma really, really wanted to play basketball. And her story about making the basketball team reminds me a little bit of Michael Jordan, if you know his story. Mm -hmm. So when Wilma went to the coach and told him she wanted to play, he literally laughed at her. Huh. But he agreed he would coach her for 10 minutes each morning as a tryout. But she wound up being cut. She didn't make the team. So one day she comes home and she found the basketball coach deep in conversation with her father. The coach desperately wanted Wilma's older sister to be on the team hmm. and was trying to convince Wilma's father to let her play. He said that the older sister was only going to be allowed to be on the team if Wilma was also on the team. <laughs> okay. And the coach agreed and Wilma joined the basketball team. From there she would... Flourish during her sophomore year of high school, she would score 803 points
1: in 25 games, setting a state record. That's so interesting to me, like like what made him want her older sister so much, you know? Like and not her? Also, that's awesome for the dad to be like, "Um, excuse me, but um if you're going to put my one daughter who doesn't even really care about being on the team and not my other one, F that you're putting them both on the team, or you're not getting either of them. Yeah, my guess is maybe because she was so young at the time. Yeah, and maybe maybe yeah, she yeah, was yeah. too immature, too
0: young. I don't really know. But what's crazy to me is that Wilma was almost six feet tall at age 14,
1: which <laughs> oh, to me screams—it
0: <laughs> screams playing volleyball or basketball. Like yeah. there are certain sports where it's advantageous to be tall, tall, right? And volleyball and basketball to me are like too natural. Yeah. arenas for her to be in and she loved basketball i mean she studied the game Hmm. and to stay in shape she ran track and field and she was really good at sprinting when she was 14 in 1954 Wilma competed in the state basketball championship in nashville tennessee one of the referees at this game was ed temple and ed had a couple of other jobs the first was coaching the tennessee state tiger bells track team and the second was coaching the 1956 olympic track team Ed would recruit Wilma after seeing her play, train her over the summers, and she would ultimately qualify for the 1956 Olympic Games in Melbourne, Australia. What's so interesting is because of where she grew up mm-hmm. and the society she grew up in, Wilma didn't even learn what the Olympics were until she was a teenager. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. She grew up in...
0: Small sh- town, Tennessee. Oh, okay. Small, small town, town Tennessee. segregated
1: Tennessee. Yeah, so guess, it's unsurprising. But can yeah. you believe, like... She goes
0: from not even knowing what this thing is to yeah. being like a world renowned
1: <laughs> yeah champion. It's just amazing. That's crazy. You know, I played basketball in middle school. You're like a for- <laughs> you're like a tiny little jelly bean. I don't I understand. Know. I have no idea why. I have no idea why I did it. I don't know. My family was just trying to get me into whatever cuz I had no I had no like there was nothing that I was uh, doing other than just going to school, so they yeah. were just trying to shove me in stuff, and yeah. they, tried, they tried ballet, and I wasn't cut out for that, because my ass was just dancing off somewhere else while yeah. the other kids were doing the routine, and then they tried to do piano and I didn't practice and they tried to do all these things. And so I played basketball in middle school so and I am five foot nothing. I played so. basketball in elementary school
0: <laughs> and I played in this Christian basketball league where you had to like <laughs> learn Bible verses. So I have a whole slew of Bible verses that I know from Christian basketball. Oh, but the other thing that. is they gave you... A wristband, like a sweatband, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you had to mark the person on the other team who had the same color sweatband you did. <laughs> and they were so many fun colors, but I always got gray. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I swear to you, whoever was wearing it on the other team, the ball would never get passed to her. So I literally did nothing except memorize Bible verses and wear an ugly sweatband. Like, that was my basketball experience. I love that. So I didn't play basketball.
1: That's funny. Um, needless
0: to say. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's okay. There's people like Wilma who are perfect for basketball, and we don't need to worry about it. Yeah,
0: and thinking about her in the Olympics kind of led me into a little bit of a deep dive Mm -hmm. about the Olympics and when black athletes actually began representing the United States and competing. Mm -hmm. So keep in mind, segregation officially ended in the United States in 1964 when President Lyndon B. Johnson signed Mm -hmm. the Civil Rights Act. Also, that's only 58 years ago. That's crazy. Just FYI. That's crazy. <laughs> so I was curious as to when black athletes began representing the United States on an international scale. Mm-hmm. The first documented black athlete to win a medal for the United States was George Poedge, who won the bronze medal in track and field and get this, 1904. Which to me, what? it's like, you can compete for us yeah. in the Olympics, <laughs> but, but you can't have equal rights. For another 60 years. (laughs) That's crazy. I know. Now, regarding black female athletes, Mm -hmm. I'm going to read this excerpt from um, a history article called Trailblazing Black Women in Sports. Mm -hmm. The article says, One of the first women's track teams in the United States began at the All Black Tuskegee Institute, now Tuskegee University, in 1929. Three years later, Louise Stokes and Tidy Pickett qualified for the 1932 Olympics in track and field, but were not allowed to participate in the event which was held in Los Angeles, because of their race. Hmm. In Berlin in 1936, Stokes and Pickett became the first African-American women to represent their country in the Olympics. Alice Coachman, a star track and field athlete at Tuskegee Institute, became the first black woman to win Olympic gold, setting records with her high jump at the 1948 Olympics in London. So
1: Wilma competing is... It's less than 10 years later. Yeah. So... Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised women couldn't wrestle in California That's true. either. So.
0: But it's like, to me, that just speaks, I don't know. It just really bothers me that
1: it's like, you can't have equal rights, but you can go win but we can our country use, medals. We can use you. We can use you as, as an advantage to winning some ridiculous competition. Yeah. But we can't give you equal rights. It's like ultimately really, really upsetting.
0: Yes. Yeah. So in the year is now mm-hmm. 1956. Wilma is... 16, and she heads to her first Olympic games in Melbourne, Australia. During these Olympics, Wilma won the bronze medal in the 4x100 relay. This catapulted her into the limelight. I mean, she was only 16 years old and she had won an Olympic medal. I love this story about what happened when Wilma returned to school. She came back to Burt High School a champion and she actually brought her medal with her. She let her friends and her peers look at it and the medal got passed around. Soon it was covered with handprints and smudges. Mel, can you read for me
1: what Wilma said about this? Yeah. Quote, I took the medal and I started shining it up. I discovered that bronze doesn't shine. So I decided I'm going to try this one more time. I'm going to go for the gold. Unquote. And go for the gold she did. I love that. In the 1960 Olympics held in
0: Rome, Wilma won not one, not two, but three gold medals and broke multiple world records. She Uh won the 100-meter 200 meter races and the 400 meter relay it was with these three gold medals that wilma came she actually became the first american woman to receive three gold medals in track and field at a single olympic
1: games like let alone being a person of color like just like woman period exactly that's so cool this performance earned her the title of the fastest woman in the world and she
0: won dramatically (laughs) she was at least three yards ahead of all of her competitors wow aka it was no competition Mm -hmm. wilma wiped the floor with the other runners (laughs) some of the nicknames she had after this were uh french papers calling her the black pearl italian Mm -hmm. papers calling her la gazelle and Mm -hmm. american papers calling her the tornado love it fun fact in these 1960 Olympics, Muhammad Ali also competed. Oh. The two became friends at the Ooh. Olympics and then afterwards Ali invited Wilma to Nashville. While she was there, he drove her around in a pink Cadillac convertible. I
1: love that. I you know, know. who who is also huge into pink Cadillac convertibles? Probably around actually probably yeah, around the exact same time this all happened, Elvis. Yes. I yeah. knew
0: it. Yep. I only knew that because I knew you loved Elvis. That's the only, that's the only place that, that guest came yes. from. When she returned to the United States, Tennessee Governor Buford Ellington, I don't know, that name just rubs me wrong.
1: <laughs> Buford Ellington. He wanted to
0: oversee mm. the homecoming celebration in Clarksville, Tennessee. Now, Buford was a staunch supporter of segregation. Oh, of course he was. And this did not sit well with Wilma. <laughs> So Wilma said she would only attend the event if both black and white people were able to attend. Because of her international fame, there was no saying no to Wilma. Love that. And so Wilma's homecoming parade and banquet were the first integrated events in the city's history. If she wasn't famous before, this truly drove home Wilma's fame. And I love Wilma
1: for this. She stayed Mm -hmm. true to her values, and she truly made a difference. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I think is really cool about celebrity... Even though there's so many, like, downsides to it, there's so many upsides, too, because they can use their influence on the world to make a difference. And, I mean, like, you think about, like, the NFL, like, a few years ago with some of the, um, not just black players, but, like, other players were kneeling for the for black Lives Matter and stuff and for, like that yeah. because, like, they were, like well you know what I'm on televised programming and I, have, and I have the power to at least let this be part of the conversation whether you agree with it or not the conversation, conversation needs to be died. had right yeah exactly so, that's awesome exactly I love it
0: at this point awards and accolades started rolling in for Wilma In 1961, Wilma got to meet President John F. Kennedy in the Oval Office. And I love this story. Apparently, after taking some pictures together, the president went to sit down and missed his chair falling to the floor. (laughs) He looked at Wilma and said, it's not every day that I get to meet an Olympic champion. He literally (laughs) fell out of his chair getting to meet her. I love that. That'd be me, honestly. Right? (laughs) In both 1960 and 1961, Wilma won the Associated Press's Female Athlete of the Year Award. In 1961, Mm -hmm. she also became the first black woman to win the James E. Sullivan Award, America's Mm -hmm. highest honor in amateur athletics. And in 1962, Wilma retired. So why did she retire so young? Wilma decided to retire because she felt there was no way she could repeat her success at the 1960 Olympics. She didn't want people to think of her as fading or losing her talent, so she made the decision not to compete, and she stuck to it. (laughs) Honestly, I respect it. I mean,
1: she wanted to go out on a high note, and I totally get that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Tom Brady is wishing he went out last year when he won the um, mm-hmm. Super Bowl mm-hmm. <laughs> instead Tom of Tom um, Brady. <laughs> I'm not going at all listen, this year. Tom Brady,
0: I know you listen to our podcast. <laughs> yes, of course. You should have followed
1: Wilma Rudolph's lead. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> I
1: mean, everybody wants to go out on a high note. Yeah, high absolutely.
0: Note. Absolutely. Yeah. After she retired, Wilma returned to Tennessee State University to finish her degree in education. She was briefly married to William Ward from 1961 to 1963, and when that marriage ended in 1963, she would marry Robert Eldridge, Mm. and together they would go on to have four children. Mm. In 1963, Wilma served as a Goodwill ambassador and traveled to the 1963 Friendship Games in Dakar, Senegal. Um, What are the Friendship Games? The Friendship Games were a smaller version of the Olympics where African countries were represented. Now, the first Mm -hmm. Friendship Games were only open to the countries who were French colonies. But in 1963, 24 countries in Africa were able to compete. Hmm. Some of these countries were Gambia, Liberia, Nigeria, and the United Arab Republic. There were nine events. Athletics, which I'm not entirely sure what that means basketball, boxing, cycling, football, a.k.a. soccer, handball, mm-hmm. judo, swimming, and volleyball. I think athletics might be running, like kind yeah, of like track and field. Yeah, maybe like that
1: or like, uh, like the... Yeah, I mean, like, like shot throwing put and shot put and, and, and stuff and that like stuff. that, yeah. Yeah,
0: honestly, it's incredibly difficult to find any scholarly articles, let alone information, mm-hmm. on these games. That's... Strange but well I think okay. it's because there was a friendship games that took place in 1984 where the Soviet Union and eight other socialist countries competed after boycotting the Olympics in LA
1: so oh. yeah okay I remember hearing about this I don't remember so most articles but, if you Google friendship games yeah
0: talk, talk about, about those. that yeah I wound up having to find an article from 1963 that was published in Senegal and it mm-hmm. was archived by this historical society it was literally like, Finding a needle in a haystack, finding any information yeah. about these friendship games, yeah. it was
1: well, cause, really like, difficult. Cause, well, that makes sense because there was something else that was a little bit more prominent and more like to the world than like well, these smaller Well, Think games about our access because, to information in 1984 right. versus right. 1963. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that makes
0: sense. While she was in Senegal, <laughs> Wilma met with future Ghanaian president Kwame Nkrum's young pioneers. And this was a nationalist youth movement. Wilma also visited Mali, Guinea, and the Republic of Upper Volta, which is now Burkina Faso. Hmm. Upon her return to the United States, Wilma served as a school teacher and a coach, which like teachers represent. She would visit different community centers and work with amateur athletes. In 1973, Wilma was inducted into the Black Athletes Hall of Fame. And in 1974, she was inducted into the National Track and Field Hall of Fame. In 1977, she published her autobiography, Wilma, which was eventually turned into a TV movie starring... Denzel Washington? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. In the 1980s, she was inducted into the U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame and established the Wilma Rudolph Foundation. The purpose of her foundation was to promote and train amateur athletes. In 1990, Wilma was the first woman to receive the National Collegiate Athletic Association's Silver Anniversary Award. Okay. In 1991, <laughs> she served as an ambassador to the celebration of the dismantling of the Berlin Wall. And I mean, wow. she did so much. Yeah. She won so many awards. She was
1: so involved with her community and giving mm-hmm. back. And yeah, she didn't stop. It wasn't no. like she retired and then like faded. Was like I'm going. She, she did. She was an she activist. Was active. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. And sadly, Wilma died on November 12th, 1994, at age 54 mm. after losing her battle with brain cancer. Wow. I know. Her legacy, though, continues on. There's a high school named after her in Berlin, Germany. Hmm. In 2004, the U.S. Postal Service released a stamp featuring Wilma on it. Cool. Clarksville, Tennessee, which is where that homecoming celebration was. They have a bronze statue of Wilma by the Cumberland River. Cool. They have a 1,000 capacity event center called the Wilma Rudolph Event Center, Hmm. as well as a Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Hmm. June 23rd in Tennessee is known as Wilma Rudolph Day. (laughs) Mel, I'm going to have you close this out by reading one of
1: my favorite quotes from Wilma. Okay. Quote, winning is great, sure, but if you are really going to do something in life, the secret is learning how to lose. Nobody goes undefeated all the time. If you can pick up after a crushing defeat and go on to win again, you are going to be a champion someday. Unquote. And that is <laughs> Wilma <laughs> Rudolph. I'm not crying. Right? <laughs> we
0: hope you all enjoyed our dive into her life. Please, please. Tell your friends about our podcast.
1: Like, subscribe, maybe drop us a friendly little five-star rating. Yes. The more you rate us, the more we'll uh, be populated when people search for things of this topic. So Mm -hmm. the higher ratings we have, and the more ratings we have, the more popular
0: we get. Yeah, and we are loving (laughs) telling you the stories of these women. and. I don't know, it feels important yeah, absolutely. to share their stories, and I want people to hear them. Mm-hmm. We really love bringing light to some truly inspiring people. Yeah. So stay tuned next week as we explore the life of another outstanding lady and, I don't know, maybe find out the gender <gasps> yes! to baby Canada. I can't wait. Yeah, thank you
1: guys so much, and uh,
0: stay true. Our sources for this episode are Wilma Rudolph from Biography How Wilma Rudolph Overcame Early Health Problems to Launch a Record-Breaking Career from Biography, Wilma Rudolph from the National Women's History Museum, African-American Olympians from the Oxford African-American Studies Center, Trailblazing Black Women in Sports from History.com, 10 Fast Facts About Wilma Rudolph from Mental Floss, and Wilma Rudolph Biography from Encyclopedia of World Biography.